Day after tomorrow, gentlemen, we'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pools, the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesars Palace, is it? Want to gamble? They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. Many regard Jay Sarno as the father of the theme casino, as well as the mind behind family-friendly Las Vegas. His contribution to the Strip, Caesars Palace and Circus Circus, are complete opposites on the theme and customer base scale. While he was many things, a womanizer and a gambling addict, no one can dispute that he was also a visionary. Jay Sarno was exactly what Vegas wanted during a time when all its current owners were being scrutinized by Attorney General Bobby Kennedy, a legit guy with no previous connection to organized crime. Jay's oldest brother once said no one works harder at avoiding responsibility than his brother. While serving in the Air Force during World War II, Jay Sarno ran dice games. While attending the University of Missouri, he spent more time playing poker in the Zeta Beta Tai frat house than anything else. He did meet his future best friend and business partner, Stanley Mallon, at college. Mallon recalls the first time he met Jay, Sarno asked him if he wanted to make some money. When Mallon said he did, Jay took him to an empty lot by the school stadium and told Mallon to direct traffic into it, and Sarno would collect a dollar from them to park there. When Mallon questioned who owned the land, Sarno said not to worry. They'd be long gone before anyone caught on to what they were doing. Money-making ideas like this occupied most of the two friends' weekends while in college. But Sarno was always broke, because he was a gambling addict and tended to lose a lot of the money on sports betting. So much that Mallon recalls multiple times Sarno pawning anything he had of value to pay off bookies. Mallon graduated in four years, but Sarno only completed about half the required classes. The two left school and, per Sarno's encouragement, went to Miami to try out being contractors. Of course, since neither of them knew anything about construction, they simply subcontracted the workout and made their profit off the contractor fees. They were successful, but still moved to Georgia where there was less competition. Sarno met his future wife Joyce in Miami Beach in 1957 when Jay literally ran into her in the lobby of the Fountain Blue Hotel trying to get to a meeting he was late for. While apologizing, he offered to take her and her family to dinner that night. Jay specifically told her to cancel her plans. When she asked why she should do that, he told her, because I'm the man you're going to marry. Six weeks later, the two were married. Shortly after, Joyce learned she was pregnant. At the same time, Joyce learned that Jay was cheating on her with multiple other women as well as a compulsive gambler. Over the years, Joyce would continue to make excuses for Jay's behavior, telling herself that he would change after he had a family, then after he moved to Vegas, then after the next project. But Jay never changed, mostly because he never thought he was doing anything wrong. The other women were just for fun. He didn't love any of them like he'd loved his wife. When World War II ended, the two friends started building apartments, then office buildings, then parking garages. They were so successful they expanded to other states. Their most successful hotel endeavor was inspired by the cabanas at the Fountain Blue. 
This concept is how the pair met Jimmy Hoffa and got the first of several Teamster loans. But each success only inspired interest in the next concept, always bigger and better than the last. During this time, Sarno visited Vegas for a bit of fun. It may be hard to believe, but as much as Jay loved to gamble, he didn't visit Las Vegas for the first time until he was in his 40s. While enjoying himself at the Flamingo Craps table, it occurred to him that the place wasn't fabulous. The casinos were exciting, but the buildings they were in were unimpressive. Only their signage had any personality. He felt he was building more interesting buildings and couldn't help but see the opportunity to do something better in Vegas. So he went out and checked the rest of the competition and further confirmed his suspicion. On the way home, all he could do was think about a Vegas project. He reflected on all the successes with the Gabbana hotels and looked to dial it up another level. That led to the Greco-Roman theme during a time when the U.S. was in love with films like Cleopatra and Ben-Hur. Jay named the concept the Desert Cabana. For inspiration, he went on a scouting trip to Italy and found it in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City. He wanted to make a statement with the frontage, something to get the attention of the people traveling by at 45 miles per hour. Sarno and Mallon went to the Teamsters for a loan. Despite previously being awarded Teamsters loans, their loan request for $10 million was rejected. However, Hoffa promised to reconsider if he could find additional investors, and even suggested a few. Sarno went to his lawyer brother who put him in touch with Nathan Jacobson, an insurance millionaire who became a third partner and helped them recruit enough investors to reapply for a Teamsters loan and get it. Now they just needed to find a place to build. Sarno wanted the land across the street from the Flamingo, near the dunes, but Kirk Kerkorian owned it and had plans to build on the property. As luck would have it, Kerkorian was having second thoughts. He recently sold his airline, Trains International, and had the opportunity to get it back at a discount price, but he wouldn't be able to build and buy his airline back. So Kerkorian agreed to rent the land to Sarno for $190,000 per year and 15% of the casino gross. As the project evolved, so did the name. Sarno didn't feel that the Desert Cabana was a grand enough name for what he had in mind. The name evolved to Desert Palace, but over time even that didn't do the project justice. He finally landed on Caesar's Palace. Caesar's was unique in many ways. One of the most obvious, without even seeing it, is there's no apostrophe in the word Caesar's by design. Sarno said he wanted everyone to feel like a Caesar when they came to his resort. Caesar's Palace didn't belong to one person, it belonged to all. Some of the investors disagreed with this idea, but the money had already been spent on the signage, so they left it alone. The theme is ancient Rome. Outside, it has a 135-foot-long driveway lined with imported Italian cypresses and 18 fountains spraying 350,000 gallons of water per minute. The marquee had seven-foot-tall fiberglass soldiers at its base that became attractions themselves. Fun fact, for the design's presentation, designers visited a dime store and picked out a few toy soldiers for scale. Sarno liked them so much, he insisted that full-scale, full-color figures be added to the base of the actual sign. At the last moment, Yesco turned down the job of building the marquee because of the shaky finances of the clients. So AdArt stepped in and did the job, basically creating the same sign Yesco planned. The swimming pool was in the shape of a Roman shield. Inside was $150,000 worth of marble statues and the world's largest ceiling fixture in a German crystal chandelier in the center of the Forum Casino. While themed inside, the exterior of the building was covered in Sarno blocks. 
Legend has it that Sarno didn't like the way window hotels looked during the day in various states of open and close. So he was looking for a block that would mask this and make the building look uniform during the day. The Sarno block was actually a large brick formed of two and a half holes. We hope you've enjoyed this premium content preview. For access to the rest of this episode, as well as all the premium content we offer, go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. A monthly subscription will give you access to the enhanced version of the podcast, often with bonus content, exclusive podcasts like 360 Vintage Vegas, 360 Origins, 360 Vegas Movies, insider information on all things 360 Vegas, 360 Vegas Vacation, and early access to everything. To subscribe, simply go to patreon.com slash 360vegas. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can find a link to Patreon on our blog, 360vegaspodcast.com. Hey!